Welcome back to Sports Clutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And in just a matter of days, NFL teams start reporting and filing into training camp. And that means if you haven't started preparing for your fantasy football drafts, you must start doing so right now. Meanwhile, we here at Sports Crush with D. Crom will continue to do all we can over the next month and a half or so to give you the information and tools you need in order to dominate your league in 2017. In that spirit, we continue our 2017 Fantasy Football Preview Series tonight with a look at the fantasy landscape for quarterbacks. And to help us break it all down, it is a pleasure to welcome Chris Heil back to the program. Chris is the content manager of the award-winning fantasy sports website XNSports.com. He co-hosts the 10 to 1 podcast, and he is also a proud member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. It's great to see you again, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's always getting close to football season when I'm talking to you. (laughs) It definitely seems that way, Chris. And uh, you're welcome. As always, it's always a pleasure to have you on to give us and our listeners some helpful hints and how to prepare for our fantasy football drafts, which are fast approaching. And uh, before we uh, get into uh, quarterbacks uh, in particular, I uh, was reading Sports Illustrated's fantasy edition last night. And Michael Beller has a column in it that brings up a very interesting point. He says that although you can afford to wait to draft a quarterback, identifying the likely top quarterbacks is arguably the key to taking home a fantasy football championship. He added the following, and I quote, Last year, seven of the top 12 running backs, as in the RB1s in the standard league by total points, played with quarterbacks who were also ranked in the top 12 at their position. The same was true of receivers. Eight of the WR1s were tied to QB1s. Some of those backs and receivers, players such as Le'Veon Bell and Julio Jones, were predicted to be at or near the top of the leaderboards, but others such as LeGarrette Blount, DeMarco Murray, Frank Gore, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas were not. In today's NFL, the best strategy for drafting running backs and wide receivers is to target those who play with the league's best quarterbacks. Do you share that view, Chris? Is the quarterback that a certain running back wide receiver tight end plays with the biggest factor uh, you consider when you're drafting? No, that's not something that I ideally key on. Uh, I mean, there's situations like uh, Cam Newton, who doesn't have a respective uh, running back that's a top 10 talent or a wide receiver. Granted, he has a tight end and he has someone that he leans on, but that's not the case for every single quarterback. I do understand the case that he's making, but it doesn't, it's not, I'm not going to prepare my draft or recommend that anyone really goes that route of taking a certain quarterback because of uh, a wide receiver or a running back that they must pair up. Oh, I, I completely agree, but that wasn't the point. The point was, is that do you pick a running back, wide receiver, or tight end based on the quarterback that they play with? Is that a key factor that you use to draft running backs, wide receivers, or tight ends? Well, I think you almost have to with a with a wide receiver. Uh, obviously, they're the ones who's feeding the uh, feeding the ball to the wide receiver. So yes, the quarterback does factor into it. As far as running back, I don't think that is as huge of a deal. I think it's more uh, a matter of the game script, the offensive coordinator. That's what really plays into their roles and really whether they're sharing the ball and having multiple other uh, people uh, take away from their carries. 
Oh, I completely agree with your point on running backs, especially when you consider guys like David Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Jordan Howard, guys who won't be playing with top-flight quarterbacks this year, but who will probably get fed the ball a lot, like 20-plus times per game. And uh, those are guys that you should not diminish on your leaderboard just because they happen to play with um, average to below average uh, quarterbacks. And uh, continuing on here, uh, in fantasy drafts, as they say, value is the name of the game. Those that wind up getting the best value out of their picks are more likely to take home the big prize in their leagues. Which quarterbacks are the most overvalued and which are the most undervalued at this moment? Uh, as far as overvalue, um, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of like real big overvalues. The, I mean, as far as like values with quarterbacks, you're still going to have like uh, the the big names like the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers at the top of it, of drafts, and a lot more people now are really starting to wait. Long, a little bit longer than they have previously in years uh, for quarterbacks. So as far as a um, overvalue, there's not a whole lot. I would say that there's guys such as, um, oh, excuse me, uh, guys like Andy Dalton and Derek Carr who are being drafted a little higher than I would like. But I understand a lot of people have huge points with him. Jameis Winston is another one who's being drafted a little higher than I would, than I would partake in. Not, but I do understand people have valid points with they they see that he they're younger uh, the quarterbacks I'm mentioning except for Dalton are younger quarterbacks that are trying to progress in their careers and that's what fantasy is more or less about is trying to predict when they're going to do that guys that are that are down in value uh, someone that I'm kind of big on this year is um, Carson Palmer yes he's getting older and. Uh, he's getting older, and the options may not be as like as great as the other teams. There's another Larry Fitzgerald's getting older, but David Johnson, as you mentioned, is a running back that uh, is at the top of the board, but has a decent quarterback. And I think Carson Palmer is that sneaky value for people later in drafts. He could be, especially if their offensive line protects better. And Carson Palmer quietly had a solid finish to last year, according to Evan Silva of rotoworld.com. So great point about Carson Palmer. And as I alluded to, uh, waiting on quarterbacks is a necessity in fantasy football. How long can we wait this year before drafting a legitimate QB1? Like I've been noticing like in mock drafts that I do, like sometimes like a Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota is there in round nine, if not round 10. No, you're at, you nailed it right there. I was going to say nine ten is really that range where you can you could still get that value, and that's where I was talking about. There's guys that really aren't as uh, overrated as they've been in the past. Uh, another guy like Cam Newton's kind of going in that little area as well. Like you'll see him in the around eight, nine, ten. To me, that's fantastic value. He can very well have a huge bounce back this year. Uh, Marcus Mariota is supposed to have a huge progression as well. So I think that that in itself is huge. I think that if you can get these guys, if you can get these guys and lit up on other players in the first like eight rounds, you're doing your fantasy draft, right? You most certainly are. That's why I plan to wait as long as I can this year for a quarterback. And uh, which quarterback do you expect the biggest leap from this season? And which quarterback do you expect the biggest regression from this year? Uh, As far as regression, I honestly, this is just a weird hunch, but I really think that the Derek Carr is going to have a huge uh, regression this season. I think that there's a lot of people have been able to scout the, scout him a lot more. He's had, or he had his season-ending injury last year, and he's going to come out and want to prove. 
but there's a lot riding on him, the team, and obviously they're trying to make a big splash with uh, Marshawn Lynch, which is nice to have a running game. But I think that he's going to have a huge. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge disappointing season compared to last season. As far as an uptick in season, I actually really like Matthew Stafford this season. He is like one of the quiet guys, but continues to just sling the ball. That's a team that doesn't have a, a workhorse running back, so they do throw a lot, and he's gotten better, even though Megatron's not on the field anymore. I really like Matthew Stafford this upcoming season. And Matthew Stafford quietly had an MVP caliber campaign last year, at least until he hurt that middle finger on his throwing hand. Uh, so another great point about Matthew Stafford there, Chris. And uh, speaking of individual quarterbacks, uh, this is a situation that I think deserves more attention from the fantasy community. The New Orleans Saints are having injury issues at their offensive line. Teron Armstead, their star left tackle. Yes, I understand he only played uh, 35% of their snaps last year, but he's arguably one of the best left tackles of the game when healthy, but he tore a labrum in one of his shoulders during OTAs, and he's going to be shelved for at least half of the season. And Max Unger, um, although reports have been mixed, he might not be available for the start of the season. And even if he is available, it's uh, unfair to expect him to be at full strength. And and they're probably going to have to get another guy to play center if necessary. And they're going to have to start a rookie at right tack. I mean, at left tackle named Ryan Ramchek. And Ramchek, I liked coming out of college, but he uh, many said he was more suitable at right tackle and is a better run blocker than pass protector at this time. So given the Saints' issues with health on the offensive line, plus the departure of Brandon Cooks, how much, if at all, should we lower the draft value and expectations for Drew Brees? I think if you ever like devalue Drew Brees, you're not doing fantasy right. The guy has been consistent with any team he's ever been on. And even let's say his his offensive line, they have all five rookies out there, for instance. He's very smart. He knows what he's doing on the field. He's going to be able to throw the ball quick. They're going to set up their offense so that he's going to be able to be effective. That's what the Saints do. They're like, they're kind of like uh, Peyton Manning in a way. If they know they're going to get a lot of heat, they have a lot of they obviously audible at the line, have a lot of really short passes, and then once they start peeling off a little bit, then they'll start throwing deeper passes. Drew Brees is, is phenomenal, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and I can't see where you you can devalue him yet. As far as like losing Brandon Cooks, there's always been he's made people out of no, out of nothing more or less. Uh, Jimmy Graham isn't nearly as effective as he was when he was in New Orleans. Marquise Colston is huge, was huge. Again, uh, now he doesn't play at all. There's other guys that were huge when they played with uh, Drew Brees that he's made. I mean, he's really made their careers. Willis needs another one. Granted, he, he was drafted by the Saints, but he is a big-time player. Michael Thomas supposed to be a top 12, top 15 wide receiver this season, and he's going to be a monster uh, in fantasy drafts. Yes, and also they got Ted Ginn Jr. to take Brandon Cook's role, and even though he's no Brandon Cooks, uh, he could still give you that splash play on the deep ball in any given situation. So there shouldn't be too much of a drop-off, if any, with Drew Brees this season. I agree with that. And uh, now let's go on to one of my favorite games, buy or sell. And this is where I'm going to ask Chris if he buys or sells the hype, the fantasy hype, that is, on some of these quarterbacks. We um, all, already talked about Marcus Mariota, and you appear to buy that hype. So I'm going to – I'm so as do I, and 
another one, his fellow 2015 draft mate, Jameis Winston. Do you buy or sell the fantasy hype on him, given all those weapons the Buccaneers got him uh, this offseason? That one I've been teetering back and forth with still. Eventually, I'm just going to make a hardcore decision on it. But right now, I think you sell that hype. I Granted, I know he's got the options there. I think just the hype is too high right now. Yeah, especially with the questions on his offensive line. It's like Ali Marpet at center and a bunch of slouches. And I don't mean to be mean when I say slouches. I just uh, um, believe that's a, fr- a slightly friendlier term than slappy. But uh, you get the picture. Um, Andy Dalton. They The Bengals have reloaded on offense with the selections of John Ross and Joe Mixon in the draft. And Tyler Boyd quietly came along last year. So he has, and Tyler Eifert and AJ Green are healthy again. So he has his uh, full arsenal of weapons like he had in his MVP caliber season that he had in 2015. Do you buy or sell the hype on Andy Dalton? I absolutely sell everything on Andy Dalton this year. They have, they, like you mentioned, they, they drafted Mixon. They still have Jeremy Hill. They have Giovanni Bernard. So we're talking about three running backs. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more than people anticipate. And to mention that he had a huge season in like 2015, uh, especially Pro Bowl caliber, they've lost a lot of, like, uh, they lost Hugh Jackson then. They've lo- he's lost all his coordinators. It's still, it's still new for them. I think they're going to be running a lot. Yes, especially with their uncertainty at the tackle position they have. And uh, Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher not playing well, they're definitely going to have to run more. And how about Phillip Rivers? The Chargers upgraded their offensive line, picked Mike Williams in the draft, Keenan Allen's coming back healthy, and Melvin Gordon, I think, is in for a breakout year. So the Los Angeles Chargers could be a sneaky good team, uh, especially in terms of offense and, and their defense, for that matter. So do you buy or sell the hype on Phillip Rivers? Uh, you know, I actually buy the the hype. As long as Keenan Allen can stay healthy, I feel like that's kind of the topic every year is uh, Philip Rivers can have these monster years, and he does it, but then someone gets hurt. And I feel like then you're looking you're looking at these wide receivers that you wouldn't necessarily want on your team. Uh, if the receivers can stay health, healthy, Philip Rivers is a steal. If there's injuries early in the preseason, anything along those lines, you're going to want to sell him as fast as possible. Oh, most definitely. But if if that offense stays healthy, watch out. It is loaded with weapons in both the running and the passing game. And with a better protection out of the offensive line, he's going to have more time to find them, health permitting. He is Chris Hyle, ladies and gentlemen, content manager for XNSports.com, co-host of the 10 to 1 podcast, and a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. You can follow him on Twitter at the Grizzly Beard. And Chris, we thank you once again for joining your time and your knowledge to our program. But we have one more question before we let you go here. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read up a list of quarterbacks, and you're going to tell our listeners what is the earliest round they should consider drafting them in. And the first one is who you meant, a guy you mentioned earlier, and Cam Newton. Would you take Cam Newton off your draft board given his horrendous 26 season plus the offseason shoulder surgery he underwent in March that caused him to miss uh, OTAs? But if so, when is the earliest you would draft him? I, I think really with a lot of these questions, it's dependent on your league. I love Cam Newton this upcoming season. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back season. The earliest I would take him, though, is round five or six. And that is really stretching it. Oh, wow. You're really bullish on Cab, but the additions of Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel could really help boost him back towards his 2015 level of play. And how about Andrew Luck? And also, when would you say it is time to panic over his shoulder condition that has also sidelined him for all of OTAs this season? 
Honestly, I'm a little scared of Andrew Luck. Like you said, he's had these injuries that just seem to keep popping up. He is a victim of a not a bad offensive line, but he, it just seems like it's very unfortunate offensive line where they're just letting him get hits hit, but his hits are causing like injuries, and which obviously is affecting the team huge. I, I, Andrew Luck is one that scares me. Uh, if I was to draft him, I, I, he's right around like the round six or seven for me, and I know. A lot of people have him above uh, above um, Cam Newton, but I think Cam Newton is going to be more consistent quarterback than Andrew Luck this year. Interesting prediction there, Chris. And you mentioned Derek Carr, and uh, and yes, you think he's going to fall off a little bit, but he didn't throw for thirty touchdowns uh, last year. And why isn't it fair, in your view, to expect him to throw thirty or more touchdowns in twenty seventeen? Well, I think. I think they're going to try to feed the ball a little bit more. They can't throw the ball as much as they as they did last year, especially in the red zone. They threw in the red zone so many times last year. He was amazing in the red zone. I think there's going to be regression of that for him. I still think he'll throw 20, 25 touchdowns, but it's going to be very disappointing to people that are going to draft him early. So I would say you, I'd feel safe drafting him um, round ten, and I know. He's like one of those people that are people are all over, and that he, that he's like the super sexy pick. But I, I really think there's going to be a huge regression for him. Yes, and do you think the Raiders are probably going to commit more to the run because their defense is terrible, and they need to sustain more drives to keep their defense off the field in order to uh, milk the clock and win games? No, I 100% agree with you with that. That's absolutely what they should and need to do. Uh, the more they throw it, obviously they're going to stop the stop the clock with that. And you did mention it; their defense isn't that good. It's decent. They play in a in a very competitive division. So I really, especially with um, uh, with the defenses of, of like uh, Denver, it's very difficult to win games in that division. It most certainly is, and 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 perhaps to protect Eric Armore, who whose injury has spelled doom for the Raiders last year. They're going to have to protect it by running the football more. And last but not least, the 2016 league MVP, Matt Ryan. And how much should expectations be lowered for him this year, given the departure of Kyle Shanahan? Yeah, I don't know if you've really lowered the expectations. I still think he knows what – I mean, he's been in the league for such a long time. He knows what reads to do, and he's very uh, capable of doing everything that he did last year. Um, however, I don't think he's going to have the MVP caliber season. I think he's going to have just a slightly step below, not, not huge, not dramatical, but he is kind of being overseen a lot in fantasy. He's kind of like that quiet guy that no one's really ever talking about. I still think that you can take him round seven ish, six ish. And I think you'll be okay with that. He's, he's a more, he's one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the league. So you're safe with just plugging him and not having to stress out each week about, uh, is he really going to be able to score you 20-plus points where there's guys like Andrew Luck who you're going to have that stress with, uh, injuries of like someone like Brent, Ben Roethlisberger. Guys like that are, are risky when you can have someone consistent like Matt Ryan. Chris Hyle, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for joining us, Chris, and we hope to have you back on the program in the very near future. Follow him once again on Twitter at the Grizzly Beard and check out his work at XNSports.com and the 10 to 1 podcast. Thank you once again, Chris. Hope to see you soon. No. You take care, David. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you.
Always a pleasure talking with you as well, Chris. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crown. But we plan to be back tomorrow with ESPN NFL Nation Bengals reporter Catherine Terrell to talk all things Bengals, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Chris Heil, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and, of course, stay awesome.